You're listening to the Lessons from Great Books podcast, where I teach timeless principles from the greatest books around the world. I'm your host, Nathan Campbell, and you're listening to episode one, Introduction to the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Welcome to the podcast. I'm super excited uh, to start this journey with y'all. My name is Nathan Campbell, and I love to read educational books, self-help books, anything that has a good principle in it that I can apply to my life. I've just I've loved diving deep into that literature, that genre. And I'm starting this podcast because I know it takes a lot of time an effort to dedicate that much time into actually reading. And if you don't have the habit, it's, it's hard to pick up. So I'm making this, hab- this podcast for two things. One is to help as a study help for you to read the book along with me, to hear another person's point of view. If you want, you, you can give me feedback as well of the books and the principles in them and how they've changed your lives. And the other thing is for people who who have not dedicated the time, who haven't started investing this, I want to motivate y'all to do so and help y'all with that journey. And I want to start with this first book of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People because it is one of the best books to start out with by just reading the title of How to Learning How to Become More Effective and How You Define Success. So first, I want, I want to introduce a little bit who, about who is Stephen R. Covey. So he's, a, he's an educator, an author, a businessman, and he was a keynote speaker. He was a professor at the John M. Huntsman School of Business at the University of Utah. And Time Magazine named him one of the 25th most influential people. He won a ton of awards for the, the businesses he grew. Um, he was inducted into the Utah Valley Entrepreneurial Forum Hall of Fame. And this book has sold over 25 million copies in over 40 languages. So he's just massively successful. And he pins it all down into, into this book, into seven different habits. But before he even begins to dive into the habits, he talks about growth from the inside out. And that's what we're going to start with. So his book starts out by saying in the opening paragraph, In more than 25 years of working with people in business, university, and marriage, and family settings, I have come in contact with many individuals who have achieved an incredible degree of outward success, but have found themselves struggling with an inner hunger, a deep need for personal congruency and effectiveness, and for healthy, growing relationships with other people. And then he begins to list out many situations that I think we've all seen in life, for example, someone who's had massive career success, reached all their goals professionally, but it costs them their personal and family life, and, and they're starting to begin. They're beginning to wonder if it was worth it. Now that they feel like they don't know their wife and their children, or people who have started a new diet over and over again during the year, and they feel like they just can't stick to it, they they begin to feel burned out, so they fizzle. And they feel like they can't keep a promise to themselves. 
And, and people who just can't manage their time, for example, they want to teach their children good principles, but they feel like they have to supervise every move their children makes. Um, so so how, how do you get them to become responsible, mature adults by, by themselves? All of these problems are very common in life. We, we all know people who have similar problems. And he says, what typically we look for is quick fix solutions. But th- these are all deep personal problems. They, they can't just be solved overnight. So he talks about two different paradigms or ethics. One is a personality ethic and the other is a character ethic. Okay. So he's to kind of solve this problem, try to figure it out. He studied the success literature published in the United States of America since 1776. So about 200 years worth. And he says he started to notice a pattern in these last 50 years. He says that I began to feel more and more that much of the success literature of the past 50 years was superficial. It was filled filled with social image consciousness techniques and quick fixes with social band-aids and aspirin that addressed acute problems and sometimes even appeared to solve them temporarily but left the underlying chronic problem untouched to fester and resurface time and again so diving a little bit more into this about personality ethics he says that it is when people f- focus or believe that success is a function of personality, a public image, of attitude and behaviors, skills and technique, and, and the process of human interactions. And he says that it divided into two, two basic definitions. One is that is human relations and public relation techniques, and the other is positive mental attitude. And you've probably met people like this in your life where all they see is how they can improve their personal, their communication techniques or, or just their attitude. And that's the key to success for them. It's how people look at them. But then he goes back and says that the first 150 years of success literature in the United States of America was more focused on your character ethics, more focused on principles of integrity, humility, temperance, justice, and patience. Um, he says, and he talks about the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin, one of our founding fathers. It's basically the story of a man who's constantly trying to apply these principles in their lives to, to change his nature from within. And he says that the character ethic taught that there are basic principles of effective living and that people can only experience true success and enduring happiness as they learn and integrate these principles into their basic character. So it's, it's growing from the inside out. And he goes on to say that personality ethic is not bad. He, uh, it, it's, it's beneficial to work on personality growth, communication training, um, communication skills training, education, the field of influence and strategies and positive thinking. He says they're even essential for success, but that they are a secondary and not primary traits to greatness. And so he divides greatness into two different ones. Personality ethics will give you secondary greatness of the world, of people, how they perceive you, 
of how the world looks at you, but focusing in on the character, on yourself, and, and your, your attributes, that is the primary greatness. And for example, you've probably met someone who's very, very good at communicating, but you're not 100% sure if you can trust them, if they're actually speaking to you honestly. And it doesn't matter how well they are at communicating, if, if you don't trust them, you're, you're not going to buy what they're selling. And so he explains that natural systems, for example, in the harvest, he asks, have you ever imagined someone trying to cram a farm in, in the fall? So, so the natural process of a farm is that you begin planting in spring, you work all summer, and then you get to harvest whatever it is you planted in the fall. But imagine if someone tried to ignore that and they just tried to harvest every, do, do all of it in the fall. And of course it would not work. It'd be ridiculous. And he says that this principle is also true, the, the law of the harvest and human behavior and, and, and relationships. So there, there are two different kinds of systems. There are natural systems where this is always true, the law of the harvest. But there, there are also artificial so, social systems, which is more like school. We've all met people who know how to play the game of school and they don't have to put in hard work. They don't have to be honest in school and they can still get an A. They can still pass and move on in life as they appear, as the world sees them or as we look at them. They seem like they're having success or in this case, getting the A's. But we also know that as these people continue to do that and not change, they go out into the world they think they can do the same thing in the workplace and they end up getting fired because they don't know how to work hard or, or they don't have the integrity to not find some kind of quick escape like cheating on a test. But if someone who might not be naturally very good at school lives the principle of hard work and dedicates his time to studying and, and working hard, even if he doesn't get, get the A, him growing in that capacity, changing his character to become a harder worker will be more beneficial in the workplace and in, in his marriage and all of his relationships for the rest of, the, of the, his or her life. And so Stephen Arcove goes on to explain the power of a paradigm. And a paradigm is a Greek work or Greek work for how you see the world. If you've ever read the book, the Little Prince. It's all about paradigms. A lot of people think it's a kid books, but it's actually literature about how different people see the world. Um, it, it's a great little book, tiny little thing, but um, he explains that that paradigms are they're like territories, or, or maps. So imagine, for example, you were going to you you wanted to go to New York, and you had a map that said it was of New York. But it was actually a map of Chicago. It doesn't matter if, if what you're doing. As long as you have the wrong map, if you have the wrong paradigm, the way you see the world, if it's incorrect, you will end up getting lost. So the personality ethics would tell you to focus on you know, your behavior. For example, you can work harder with the map. You could drive twice as fast. But in, in the end, you would still just get to your place you would still get lost twice as quickly or you could work on your behavior on your attitude on your positive thinking 
And you could just keep thinking so positive that in the end you'd be happy no matter where you'd end up. It doesn't even matter to you anymore. The only problem is that you still don't achieve, reach your destination. And, and that's the power of a paradigm. If you're focusing in on the personality ethics, there's, it doesn't matter how much harder you work if you have an incorrect paradigm. It's the way you're seeing things is not correct. And it's funny because we always assume that the way we see the world is correct. We never really question our paradigms. And th there's a famous image, painting, picture that shows this. It, if you've ever seen it, it's a picture of a woman. But depending on how you look at it, it's either a very old woman who looks maybe 80, kind of ugly with a big hooked nose. Or it's a very attractive woman of in her, her early 20s, very, very attractive. A lot of people would like to take her out if they're, they're attracted to women. And, and it's the exact same image, exact same black and white lines. But depending on how you look at it is depending on how you see it. So the book of the seven habits of highly effective people it wants to cause paradigm shifts inside us. And a paradigm shift, all that is, is simply it's, it's, it's an aha moment. And he explains how the United States of America was made with a paradigm shift. For, for thousands of years, the only paradigm people knew of government was a king, whether the monarchy rule. But when the United States was formed, we decided what if the people led? What if it was a government for the people and by the people? And that paradigm, that shift made the brand new government of freedom and liberty and, and it has influenced the entire shape of the world. In a more personal example, Covey explains one time that he was on a subway in New York and a man came on the subway with his two children and at first it was a very quiet a quiet bus, but as soon as these people came on, the children were, were running around, they were going crazy, they were messing with the passengers and the father simply had his head back and his eyes closed. Wasn't doing anything to control his children. So Covey went up to him and what he felt like was very respectful and patient. He said, sir, your children are disturbing a lot of people. I was wondering if you couldn't control them a little more. And the man looked up at him and said, oh, you're right. I guess I should, should, I should do something about it. We just came from the hospital where their mother died about an hour ago. I don't know what to think, and I guess they don't know how to handle it either. And you can imagine if you were in, in Kofi's situation and there, if, if that happened to you, the way you looked at the situation would completely change in one instant. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, it wouldn't just change how you thought about the man, but your behavior would change instead of, instead of thinking that, oh, this man really should control his children. You'd be filled with sympathy and compassion towards him, wondering what you could do to help him, all of it, in just one moment. Even though you saw the same thing, your paradigm shift, the way you saw him shift, and, and that, therefore, your attitudes and behavior shift. And uh, this is so crucial. Because if we can shift our paradigms to be to focus on 
principles, things like integrity and honesty, patience. It will influence our behavior to make us more effective. So that, that's the purpose of this book is to help us become principle-centered people and focus on our char- the character ethics. He later wrote that it is, the character ethic is based on the fundamental ideal that there are principles that govern human effectiveness. There are things that anyone in any culture can apply in their lives, change how they see the world to make them more effective people. And he explains that the principles are like lighthouses. They, they help us see clearer. They help us avoid danger. They're natural laws that cannot be broken. And what's great about these principles is that they're not religious in any way. Most major religions in the world are use many of these principles to teach their followings, but, but there's, it's not specific to any one religion. And he, he used an example of, uh, he, he uses a religious example here of the movie, The Ten Commandments. In the movie, The Ten Commandments, there's a quote that says, it is impossible for us to break the law. We can only break ourselves against the law. So that's the same idea here, that if you break these principles, you will be less effective and less happy. But if you keep them, you will be more effective, more happier. And then he, he later on, Covey lists off a per list of principles, such as patience, patience, nurture, encouragement, potential growth, service, quality or excellence, human dignity. And he's very clear that the principles are not values. He says a gang of these can share values, but they are in violation of the fundamental principles we're talking about. Principles are the territory. Values are maps. When we value correct principles, we have truth and knowledge of things as they are. Which is so powerful just to understand that we, we, every, lots of people have their own values of what they think is important. But if they're not principle-based, they, they won't necessarily lead to happiness down the road. And what's great about principles is that they make you grow. They make you change who you are. And so we all know that there are stages to growth. For example, a baby cannot run until after, after it's learned to turn over, to sit up, to crawl, and then walk. And then finally, after it's, they, they can learn to run. And it's very easy to see growth in a physical sense. For example, if, if, um, I, if I tell you that I'm a master at playing the piano, it's very easy to find out if I'm telling you the truth or not. All we have to do is put a piano in front of me and ask me to play a piece. And it, very quickly, you can tell if I'm a liar or not. But our emotional growth, it's trickier to tell. Um, he later wrote that um, we can pose and put on for a stranger or an associate. We can pretend and for a while we can, eat, we can get by with it, at least in public. We might even deceive ourselves, talking about emotional growth. Yet I believe the mo- that most of us know the difference, know the truth of what we really are inside. 
And I think many of those we live with and work with do as well. So for example, if, if I'm a salesman and I, I, I knock on your door, I'm trying to sell you this service, and I tell you I am a person of high integrity, you might believe me, but as soon as you get the service and you realize that I was not being completely honest, you would know, you, you would, your, your trust in me would begin to shift. It would begin to lower. And those closest to me would already know that I'm, I'm not a very integrable person. And so it, it's very easy for us to fake at first our emotional maturity. But, but either way, people can still tell over time. And then going back to the list of people, of different kinds of people we know that might not be able to stick to a diet, who have success but not, not with their family. He says that it's, it, the problem is the way we see the problem. So, for example, say that someone has a flat marriage, that they don't fight or anything, they they just don't feel like they love each other. They say they might have gone to counseling before and tried a number of things, but they just don't feel love between each other. The personality ethic, the quick fix, would say that there might be some seminar or a book they can go to where they can just express their feelings and the love is back and it's better than ever. But the character ethic paradigm would say is for example if i'm if i'm feeling this way with my spouse is the problem really with my spouse or could i be empowering my spouse's weaknesses and making my life a function of the way i'm treated do i have some basic paradigm about my spouse about marriage and about what love really is that is feeding the problem so it it's making me look at my paradigm because we our paradigms are based on what we are inside we only see we can only see the world as we are so if i'm if i'm having trouble with my marriage it's probably not my wife it's probably the way i'm looking at the situation and, and the way i'm trying to solve the problem which i know is very hard and a lot of people don't like because it puts the responsibility and the blame on them which which is perfect if you want to actually make a change. Because if I want this to change, if I want my marriage to be better, I can't wait for my wife to make that decision. In her paradigm, the marriage might be great. She might not have a single problem, which is sadly why a lot of people get divorced. And um, so, so going on with this, Albert Einstein said that the significant problem we face cannot be solved at the same level of thinking we were at when we created them. So to solve the problem, I can't be the same person. And, pay, and listen to this. I can't be the same person who, who created the problem. I have, to, I have to be someone different. And Kobe later wrote that the new level of thinking is what the seven habits of highly effective people is about. It's a principle-centered, character-based, inside-out approach to personal and interpersonal effectiveness. Inside out means to start with the self even more fundamentally. It starts with the most inside part of self, with the paradigm, your character, and your motives. 
So instead of focusing on on having a happy marriage or having a, a good diet or a healthy body, you have to change to be the kind of person who has a who has a happy marriage. You have to be more pleasant. You have to be healthier if you want to keep your diet and if you want to help have a healthy body. You have to be a completely different person, which is why it's harder. And honestly, I would love to keep going, but that's just like the that's just the first section of the book. It's the first 20, 30-ish pages. There's so much in it, so much that I skipped just because it's so hard to get through everything in 20, 20 25, 30 minutes. So we're going to go ahead and stop there, and I'm going to keep picking up about what an overview of the actual seven habits are for the next episode. But I just encourage you guys to think about this, to think about who it is you want to be and that paradigm that you need to have to, to see the world like that. Okay, so I will post another episode here by the end of the week of the overview of the seven habits, and we'll dive into them from there. listening to the learn from great books podcast please leave a five-star review and a comment if you liked what you heard and consider buying a copy of the seven habits of highly effective people the book to study along with me to learn and grow